You're listening to the Elvis Ultimate Fan Channel Podcast, the channel that is devoted 100% to the life and career of the biggest selling recording artist of all time, with your host, Steve Francis. Hello and welcome to part two of Elvis at Stacks. Before we get into the episode, I'd just like to make a quick announcement. In the next episode, I will be speaking to Elvis's friend, hairdresser and spiritual advisor, Larry Geller. If you have any questions for Larry, please send them to me at ElvisTheUltimateFanChannel at gmail.com or you can contact me on Facebook and Twitter at ElvisTheUltimateFanChannel. In part one, I covered the first set of recording sessions Elvis did at the Stack Studio in Memphis in July of 1973. In this episode, I will cover the follow-up sessions he did in December of the same year. I will be including samples of all the recorded songs at the sessions, along with outtakes, studio chatter, and fun moments for your enjoyment. Since Elvis was last in the studio, events in his personal life had come to a head. On Tuesday, October the 9th, Elvis and Priscilla met at the Los Angeles County Superior Courthouse in Santa Monica in the courtroom of Judge Lawrence J. Rittenband, and after 20 minutes they were granted a divorce. Priscilla hadn't seen Elvis in a while and was shocked at his bloated appearance and bewildered at the dramatic physical change since his super-fit appearance on the Aloha from Hawaii TV special that had aired in the US the previous April. They held hands throughout the proceedings and she kept running her hands back and forth over his poor swollen fingers. They emerged still holding hands with Elvis in what appears to be a jogging suit with a flag on the lapel. Priscilla waved as she walked towards her car with her sister Michelle and she was relieved when she saw him wink back. Six days later he was admitted to Baptist Memorial Hospital in Memphis in a semi-comatose condition. He'd started having trouble breathing in California and chartered a plane to fly home. On the aircraft, his breathing got worse despite the administration of oxygen. Dr. Nick came out to Graceland and was shocked by what he found. Elvis appeared so swollen as to be virtually unrecognisable and barely able to breathe. He tried to take care of him at home, leaving his office nurse, Tish Henley, on duty at Graceland. But when three days later Elvis's condition dramatically worsened, the worried physician had no choice but to admit him to hospital. Dr. Nick had him seen by a team of physicians who all agreed that his condition was grave. After satisfying themselves that he was not suffering from congestive heart failure as a result of the obvious build-up of fluids, they diagnosed an extreme drug reaction, most likely to steroids of some sort. Nick questioned him about the medication he had been taking, but there appeared to be nothing in the various prescriptions that would account for his cushionoid appearance. The doctors noticed black and blue marks all over his body, and Elvis responded 
that they had come from the acupuncture treatments they had been receiving for the past eight or nine months. No one could understand how acupuncture needles could cause such a dramatic reaction until Elvis explained that the treatment was administered not just with the usual assortments of needles, but with a syringe. The doctor had told him something about using a local anaesthetic to cut down on the pain and maybe a little cortisone to speed the healing process, but he wasn't really sure what exactly was in the doses. Dr Nick called the doctor in California and after informing him that Elvis was a very sick man, finally got out of him what everyone around Elvis probably could have already told him. Elvis was getting almost daily injections of Demerol, an opioid painkiller similar to morphine. The next day he started Elvis on methadone, a treatment frequently used to combat heroin addiction. Because one effect of long-term cortisone use can be to aggravate the eye condition glaucoma, he called in ophthalmologist Dr. Mayer, who found that Elvis did indeed continue to have a mild case of the disease in both eyes. A liver biopsy found that organ to be infiltrated with fatty cells, a condition very lightly brought on by medication abuse. Elvis was gradually weaned back to health. Dr. Nick continued to address some of the other health concerns, the hypertension, the enlarged intestine and related colon and bowel problems. With all these problems behind him for now, it was a much happier Elvis that returned to the studio on McLemore Avenue on Monday, December the 10th. His record company, RCA, had booked the studio for a full seven nights of recording, hoping there would be no repeat of what happened during the July sessions. With that in mind, the record company sent their engineers, Mike Moran and Dick Baxter, to assist producer Felton Jarvis, along with the same 16-track mobile recording unit that had travelled to Elvis's Palm Springs home that fall, thus allowing them to bypass the Stax mixing desk altogether, hopefully avoiding the technical issues that plagued the previous sessions. Elvis arrived at the studio a little after 8pm on the first night of recording, Unlike the July sessions, when he was three hours late and recorded no songs, doing a karate demonstration instead. This time he was much more focused on the job in hand. Most of the musicians from July had been dropped in favour of the group members used for his live shows. On guitars were James Burton and Johnny Christopher, acoustic guitar Charlie Hodge, bass Norbert Putnam, drums Ronnie Tutt, piano David Briggs, organ Per Eric Hallen, Vocals were DJ Sumner and the Stamps Quartet, along with voice. Female backing singers were Kathy Westmoreland, Mary Green, Mary Holiday, and Susan Pilkington. Recording began at 9pm with the gospel-flavoured I Got a Feeling in My Body from Burning Love author Dennis Lind.
The difference in Elvis's commitment compared to July is very noticeable. They did seven takes with only four being complete. Elvis picked the third one as the best and that was used as the master. Elvis was now fully engaged and began to sink his teeth into the brand new Jerry Chestnut song, It's Midnight. Elvis and the backing singers worked out a rough arrangement before launching into the first take. Trying to be strong, night time comes along, and I start wanting you, wanting you. Where is all my self-control? I'm burning right out in my soul, and needing you, and needing you. I'm needing you, wishing I could be the man I try to, hating me for wanting to be with you, knowing you don't love me like you used to, but it's midnight. Okay, Ronald, girls, ladies, and Kathy. Maybe it's too late Sometimes even hate myself For loving you Trying to be strong Then night time comes along And I start wanting you Wanting you Where is all my self-control? I'm burning way down in my soul And needing you Wishing I could be the man I try to Hating me for wanting to be with you Knowing you don't love me like you used to But it's midnight And I miss you It's getting late and I know It's fascinating listening to Elvis working on the phrasing and tune to a song we are all now so familiar with. Elvis was obviously keen to get a good aversion as possible and they laboured over 19 takes before he was satisfied. He added a harmony vocal to that take and at 4.30am took the short drive back to Graceland to get some well-earned rest. Day two of recording again kicked off at 9pm with the Waylon Jennings, Billy Joe Shaver number, You Ask Me Too. Elvis had arrived in high spirits, as can be heard here, joking with Charlie and singing a snatch of On Top of Old Smokey. Well, wait a minute, fellas. Don't go without me. Long ago and far away My old common labor shoes What? Shit I can't hear Charlie, but it's probably best. 
Hell no. Having fun, man. <laughs> You ever have a wino singing in your ear? <laughs> yeah, you guys. I love <laughs> Okay. I don't know what we're doing. Oh, thank you, David. Da, 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 da. On top of old swamp. No. <laughs> Long ago and far away, in my old common labor shoes, I turned the world off with your way. Just because you asked me to, like to no other fear. Love, simple truth. There's no end to what I do. Just because you asked me. Take six was chosen as the master and was set aside for overdubbing at a later date. Red West had bought a new song to the sessions, one he had written with session guitarist Johnny Christopher, and was delighted when Elvis chose to record it next. It's the funky If You Talk in Your Sleep. Here's take five, the first one Elvis and the band completed. I know you're a lonely woman, and I love you. Someone else is waiting, and he owns you. If he should ever wake up, be sure your story is straight, love. If you talk in your sleep, don't mention my name. One more full take was completed, take nine, and that was used for release after some overdubbing. Again, Elvis called a halt to proceedings early, at 2am this time, after only completing two masters and returned to Graceland. RCA executives must have been getting nervous, thinking there was going to be a repeat of the July sessions. However, things were about to improve. Arriving at the studio, Wednesday evening, December 12th, Elvis launched into a recording of Donny Sumner's Mr. Songman. Some have called the song corny or unadventurous, but I quite like the simplicity of it. The recording blends Elvis's vocal with the backing singers. The result makes for pleasing listening, but I've always wished Elvis's vocal was placed a little further forward in the mix, as sometimes it is drowned out by the Stamps Quartet. The sixth take is the master recording. The melancholy theme of the evening continued with the recording of Thinking About You. 
This was another song written by a member of the Stamps Quartet, this time by Tim Batty. It was his very first attempt at writing, and he must have been thrilled as Elvis began work on it. Here's take six. Woke up this morning and I tried to call you But you weren't there, kind of put me in despair So I thought maybe I could lose my mind in the countryside So I went for a drive But I never stopped thinking about you Wishing you were there Just to be with me Feel the breeze Sun smile, I didn't care Thinking About You is a favourite of mine from these sessions and was destined to become the B-side to the song My Boy which was recorded the next evening. The next fully completed take, which was the 8th, was used for record release. He seems to have cheered up by the time he came to the next song, as can be heard on this outtake of Love Song of the Year. I used to laugh (laughs) And I used to cry (laughs) I used to let These feelings pass me by But, 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 but now that I believe them I've got no one to leave them to me You see I traded sex for what I thought was being free So I confess I made a mess But I guess I lost the best Of the years that I let love slip through my fingers Like a golden brother bear If I cared I wouldn't be singing this love song of the year Elvis and the band enjoyed the recording of this track and again it was the eighth take that was deemed the best and suitable for LP release. Incredibly, the next song, the Larry Gatlin composition Help Me, was completed after a very brief false start in just one take. Lord, help me walk another mile, just one more mile. I'm tired of walking all alone. Lord, help me smile. Another smile, just one more smile You know I just can't make it on my own It has been said by those present that Elvis dropped to his knees in the studio whilst singing this. A harmony vocal was overdubbed to this solitary take. With four masters being completed, twice as many as the previous two nights, a very satisfactory night's recording was brought to a close at 5am. December the 13th began with the recording of a song that Elvis had included in his live repertoire in Las Vegas the previous August. It's the highly emotional My Boy. You're sleeping, son, I know, but really this can't wait. I wanted to explain before it gets too late. 
For your mother and me, love has finally died. This is no happy home, but God knows how I try. Elvis wanted to be done with it quickly, and after the second take, when Felton asked for another, Elvis replied tersely, I told you to get this thing done in two takes, I can't sing it no more. After a little more grumbling, he recorded one more take, but shorter than the previous two, and Felton had to loop the ending to achieve the long fade-out for record release. Next came what a lot of fans consider the highlight of the sessions. Wasted years, wasted years, oh how foolish. Okay, 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 girl. If you could see me now, the one who said that he'd rather. One who said he'd rather be alone If you could only see me now If I could hold you now Just for a moment If I could really make you mine Just for a while I'll turn back the hands of time This is take two. It's hard to figure out why they didn't stop after this one, as I can't see anything wrong with it. If you could hear me now, singing somewhere through the lonely night, dreaming of the arms that held me tight. If you could only hear me now. They did one more take, and that's the one used as the master. At midnight, they took an hour-long break to have something to eat before starting work on my favourite song from the sessions, Good Time Charlie's Got the Blues. Damn, these takes are going by fast. Some of them have been very short. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Everybody's gone away Said they're moving to L.A. There's not a soul I know around Everybody's leaving town Some caught a freight, some caught a plane Find the sunshine 
It was a top ten hit for singer-songwriter Danny O'Keefe in 1972. Tellingly, Elvis omitted the third verse. Here it is from the original Danny O'Keefe recording. I've got my pills to ease the pain Can't find a thing to ease the rain I'd love to try and settle down But everybody's leaving town Some gotta win, some gotta lose Good time, Charlie's got the blues. Good time, Charlie's got the blues. I'll let you draw your own conclusions as to why he didn't include that particular verse. Friday night, December 14th, began with a quick rendition of Jerry Reed's Talk About the Good Times. Okay. Okay, we're rolling. Take four was consigned to the master reel and then they began lengthy rehearsals on the highly appropriate and very sentimental song, We Had It All. Written by Troy Seals and Donny Fritz, it was originally recorded by Waylon Jennings on his 1973 album Honky Tonk Heroes. It has since been covered by many artists including Rita Coolidge, Dobie Gray, Willie Nelson, Dolly Parton, Bob Dylan and Rod Stewart, to name just a few. Here's the Dobie Gray version. I can hear the wind blowing in my mind Just the way it used to sound Through the Georgia pines And you were there to answer when I called You and me, Lord knows we had it all Bassist Norbert Putnam recalls, The song, We Had It All, that Dobie Gray had previously done, was about a chance, sad meeting between a divorced husband and wife. Elvis decided he wanted to do it. We did four or five takes, and he wasn't getting it. I'd never seen him have problems like that before. And I'll never stop believing in your smile It was all worthwhile. You were the best thing in my life. I can recall you and me had it all. It's almost unbelievable that engineers Mike Moran and Dick Baxter didn't record these takes as it was customary at an Elvis session for him to call for playbacks of recordings they were working on. 
None of these takes have ever surfaced, leading me to believe they may well have been erased. However, I live in hope that they still survive somewhere, gathering dust in a vault, and might someday see the light of day. Elvis left the studio a little dejected at 3am, promising to try and record it again the next day. He never did. You were the best thing in my life I can recall You and me, we had it all December 15th was the penultimate night's recording. Elvis's father, Vernon, was present that evening. Elvis arrived in an upbeat mood, despite the previous night's failure with We Had It All. He wasn't prepared to fool with that song anymore and told everyone he wanted to record a version of the Chuck Berry song, Promised Land. Before one take, he serenaded everyone with a song from his youth, Columbus Stockade Blues, delighting his cousin Billy Smith and telling him, I did that when I was three years old. Cross your mind in your heart. You love another, leave a little darling. I don't mind. Okay, we're ready. <laughs> Bill over smiling, man. He liked that. Damn, that song was old. I did that when I was three years old, man. Take six was used for record release. After an hour's break at midnight, they launched into one of the lesser-known songs from the sessions, Your Love's Been a Long Time Coming. We're rolling, fellas. We're rolling. That's four. One, two. And David. One, two, three. The first time I saw you I was hooked on somebody other than me And the 
first time I held you His soft lips and blue eyes Were as far as my eyes could see Yes, here in my arms I knew I had found A lost chord on that damn guitar Okay, we're still rolling, this will be three Don't give up on us, by God No, it sounded good, man they did 10 takes, but unusually, this final take wasn't the one used on record. Elvis decided the previous take was better. It was now 4.30am and they had worked later than any of the previous nights and everyone was expecting Elvis to head home to Graceland. However, he announced he wanted to try recording There's a Honky Tonk Angel Who'll Take Me Back In. The song, written by Troy Seals and Denny Rice, was originally released on Troy's 1973 debut album, now presenting Troy Seals. It's probably best known for the 1974 recording by American country music artist Conway Twitty, who took it to number one on the Hot Country Singles chart. Here's the first take. When was the last time you kissed me? When was the last time you kissed me? And I don't mean to touch Okay. Get mad at it. When was the last time you kissed me? And I don't mean to touch It's been a long time since you felt like my woman And even longer since I felt like your man So tell me if you think it's over And I'll leave it up to you how it is Cause if you don't want The love I can give you Well there's a honky-tonk angel Who'll take me back That first take was complete and worthy of release. The next six takes broke down after a minute or two. Elvis cajoled the tired musicians by joking, Norbert, straighten up. You too, David. He snored loudly through one intro, trying to keep the mood up. Take eight was complete and Elvis was happy to have that used as the master, though Felton knew it would need some overdubs at a later date as the backing was quite sparse. For those who don't know, Honky Tonk Angel refers to a beautiful woman, somewhat out of place in a dirty bar, with a casual attitude towards sex, but kind and pure at heart. British singer Cliff Richard released a version as a single in 1975. However, after being on sale for a short time in the UK and promoting it with TV appearances, it was withdrawn from the market after Cliff found out exactly what a honky-tonk angel was.
At six in the morning, everyone headed home, tired but happy with their night's work. The final night's recording began at 9pm with Elvis singing the Dottie Rambo spiritual, If That Isn't Love. first take was perfect. A beautiful vocal from Elvis, exceptional playing from Per Eric Hallen. Again I find myself questioning why they didn't just leave it at that. They attempted another six takes with only four and seven being complete. Elvis asked Felton to transfer take four to the master. They moved swiftly on to the Al Martino hit, Spanish Eyes. Initially recorded by Al in 1965, the song reached number 5 on the UK singles chart when reissued in 1973. There was a little confusion in the studio when the count-in, rather appropriately, was called out in Spanish. A nice harmony vocal is provided by Cheryl Nielsen of the Stamps Quartet. James don't know what you're talking about, man. Take 4 was chosen for release. They all took a break at midnight for food and then at 1am Elvis decided he wanted to record a song he'd been singing at home for years, Ray Price's 1968 hit, She Wears My Ring. 
With seventeen completed masters under their belts and the end of the sessions in sight, the mood in the studio was very light-hearted and they all got a fit of the giggles, all encouraged by the ringleader, Elvis. Damn, cut it, fella. These sandwiches are gone. That's six. All quiet now. She wears... <laughs> <laughs> You're ready, you're knocking over stools and everything. Now. <laughs> I'll get seven. Also. It's hard to do a cold, I'll tell you. <laughs> Ain't everything. Oh, Lord. <clears throat> Charlie, why don't you get your hands on that and I could. She. <laughs> that sounds funny as hell. <laughs> she. <laughs> she. <laughs> Goddamn. Someone to give me an earphone. <clears throat> Here, just one earphone. <laughs> she, she. <laughs> she what now? <laughs> she. You hit the son of a bitch. Oh, Lord. She, she, she. <laughs> Where is it, JD? What do you do when you freeze up your ass like this, man? What? She wears my ring To show the world That she belongs to me She wears my ring To show the world She's mine Eternally With loving care I place it on her face. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. Just hang good, man. <laughs> they finally managed a suitable take on the tenth attempt, and with that, the week-long sessions were wrapped up at 5 a.m. on Monday, December 17th. Overdubbing sessions were held at RCA's Studio A in Nashville, Tennessee, on January 2nd, 10th. 11th and 15th, 1974. During these sessions, extra guitars were added along with strings and more backing vocals. The second set of sessions at Stax yielded 18 masters compared to the paltry 10 from the July sessions. RCA were undoubtedly happy. However, had they known that their number one recording artist wouldn't step inside a recording studio for another 14 months, they probably would have felt differently. It would be March 1975 before he did another studio session, and he only managed to complete ten masters then, just enough to compile the album titled Today. This meant that the two sessions at Stax proved to be his last major studio work. The fruits of these December sessions were used to compile two albums and three singles. The first album was called Good Times and released on March 20th, 1974. Its chart performance was poorer than the previous album, Raised on Rock, from the July sessions, only climbing as high as number 90 on the Billboard 200. It fared a little better in the UK, peaking at number 42. The second album was Promised Land, released on Elvis's 40th birthday, January 8th, 1975. This release did substantially better than the other two, peaking at number 47 on Billboard and 21 in the UK. The LP covers, confusingly, used photographs of a jumpsuited Elvis performing on stage. This makes little sense when the material contained on these albums are studio recordings and not recorded live on stage. 
Again, it's indicative of where his manager, Tom Parker, felt their priorities should lie. Elvis's live shows taking precedence over studio material. Parker took the same view in the 1960s with the movie soundtracks versus studio albums. Whatever generated the quickest buck, I guess. As for the singles, I've got a thing about you baby backed with Take Good Care of Her, which had been held back from the July sessions, peaked at number 39 on Billboard's Hot 100 and number 33 in the UK. Red West's If You Talk In Your Sleep, coupled with Help Me, reached number 17 in the US and number 40 in the UK. My Boy and its B-side Thinking About You became the most successful single from the sessions, achieving top 20 status in both the US and UK, reaching number 20 and number 5 respectively. Donny Sumner's Mr. Songman became the B-side to T-R-O-U-B-L-E, the song that was recorded in the March 75 sessions mentioned earlier. It was a modest success, reaching number 35 in America and number 31 in the UK. 1973 had seen great highs and lows in the life and career of Elvis Presley. He'd gone from the unprecedented success of the satellite TV special, Aloha from Hawaii, to falling record sales, a divorce and various health problems, including a stay in hospital for demoral withdrawal. Following the highly successful sessions at Stax in December of 73, there was plenty for all concerned to be hopeful for the coming year. Sadly, the following years for Elvis were to be a very mixed bag, both for his career and his physical health. I hope you enjoyed listening to the two episodes featuring Elvis's stack sessions. Just a quick reminder that in the next episode I will be speaking to Elvis's friend, hairdresser and spiritual advisor Larry Geller. So if you have any questions for Larry, please send them to me at ElvisTheUltimateFanChannel at gmail.com or you can contact me on Facebook and Twitter at ElvisTheUltimateFanChannel. My podcasts are available on all good podcast providers, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Stitcher and iHeartRadio, to name just a few. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join me next time for another episode from Elvis the Ultimate Fan Channel. <laughs>